Hey, Taco Tuesday fans, this is Christian Brindle. And I am Glenn Shelton. We came together and combined our forces to create something special for insurance agents called Taco Tuesday. Let's taco about insurance. My company, Christian Brindle Insurance Services, and my company, Lead Heroes, is here to bring you the latest and greatest news happening in the insurance industry today and eat some tacos while we do it. If you enjoy the content that we put out on this podcast, feel free to leave us a review or subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Without further ado, let's get into this episode of Taco Tuesday. Gotta show my shirt today. Okay. Okay. Let's see this shirt. Let's see this shirt. Team no sleep. I always tell everybody I'll sleep when I'm dead, (laughs) which isn't true. I actually covet my sleep now. At one point, though, (laughs) I didn't. At one point, I was probably pulling an all nighter. I would say close to once a week, I'd say, where I was staying up all night. Most of the time I was working because my staff is overseas. And so nighttime here is daytime there, especially my web designer. But here's the other thing is there's no distractions at three in the morning. Everyone's asleep. Everyone's asleep. Not just my my family, right? Not just my kids, my wife, but my clients are asleep. Uh, my friends are asleep. My parents are asleep. Everybody's asleep. And so like, there is this, and I, part of me wants to stay up all night just thinking about it because I haven't done it in a while, but it's like, there is this, this quiet and this ability to focus on something that I felt like you can't never get during the day. But So last year I was making six figure Medicare university and, um, you know, our office was shut down for about a month because of the pandemic. When it first all started, we just decided to shut it down. Everybody worked from home. I pulled an all nighter for the first time, trying to get the course done and trying to get a bunch of things, projects I was working on done, you know, editing videos, things like that. I hadn't done it for several years before that. And, um, this was before my birthday. So I was 27 and, um, I, you know, I'm only 27 at this point. I'm only 27. And I felt like I was 40, you guys, but I I felt like, I felt like I was 60 years old the next day. It was horrific. Um, guys just wanted to just show, just put on some swag today. Start out the taco Tuesday. You know, this is our new logo. And I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just plain. It could be our new logo based on the size of the sponsorship check that Justin would be donating to me, not Christian, but directly (laughs) to me. Go ahead send it over. I'll cash it. We can be the Taco Tuesday guru, the Guru Taco Tuesday podcast. It can change. Well, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn has more overhead than I do. So Glenn Glenn can probably put it to work more than me. Yes. Um, Okay. So I have I have an I have something to unveil to the audience with my choice of food today, and um, this is going to be very controversial to the taco community. Oh no, not again! Here we go again, you guys. Okay, so what I have right here is a burrito, but Ooh. it's not any type of burrito. It's not any kind of burrito you've ever seen on Taco Tuesday before. 
I'm getting nervous just listening to you right now. <laughs> All right. So if you, if, if you are our, our loving audience, don't appreciate the, 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 the lengths I've gone to, to make your taco Tuesday experience creative. I don't know what to do about that because oh, Matthew Murray said, you know what to do. I like been... to speed dabbing. You know, I'm, I'm more of a slow dab kind of guy, but he's like, Matthew Murray's like pseudo chopping. <laughs> he practices. He practices late at night. Well, he practices making Facebook ads and then dabbing in between. I think I think working for corporate IFG, I think speed dabbing is part of it. I think IFG is just all about it. What what is this? This what is it? this is a sushi burrito. What? what? <laughs> That's tempura. So it's it's deep fried. It's deep fried sushi burrito. Oh, I've heard about these. I'm I'm kind of at a. I love sushi too. I'm gonna count it, you guys. I know there's gonna be people in count the comments. It. Probably gonna get upset. Oh, I could hear mm. a bit of a crunch. What's mm. in it? What's oh. in it? It's a California roll burrito. Okay. And it's and very so, much deep fried. Um, so you've got crab. Mm-hmm. Right, isn't that the California roll? You've got crab, imitation crab, imitation. rice, um, avocado, seaweed wrap, cream cheese. It's just, it's, it's um, it's really something else. By the time I finish this, I might have a heart attack live in front of you guys. No, sushi's good for you. Um. I'm going to show what I got today, you guys. And I like doing Taco Tuesday with just Christian because then we can really get into our food. We don't have to deal with any guests who, you know, we're, we want to value their time. And so we have to take more time talking. But when it's just me and Christian, we can really get into the taco side of things. Mm-hmm. And I already ate one burrito. I was so hungry. What really matters is the tacos. Oh, my the tacos, God. Yeah, the Tuesday and the insurance side of it, that's that's eh, that's the latter part but the tacos so i also got a burrito today but this is a mexican burrito it's not a sushi burrito okay bean and cheese it's a classic i already had one and i'm about to fall asleep because i'm stuffed (laughs) what's what's in this burrito what kind of burrito are we talking about it's just bean and cheese it's just a classic um this came from victoricos victoricos i hope i'm saying that right and uh, just great. There's a great breakfast burrito. The truth is I was trying to get a breakfast burrito, but then they misheard me and they gave me just normal burritos, but I'm not mad. I love burritos. I'd eat that sushi burrito. I'm a burrito mm-hmm. guy. Chipotle burritos. Mm. Burrito, burrito, burrito. I mean, <clears throat> we got <coughs> we, every, every Taco Tuesday, wherever we're going to get our tacos, we get it for the whole, I get it for the whole office. Everybody who's in the office that day gets tacos. And right. um, the sushi burrito was expensive, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was worth it for the shock value of um, really, 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 you know, just uh, pushing the boundaries of, of what's what's possible on Taco Tuesday. I mean, if, if for any of our avid fans out there, you might remember I had what I called an American taco last season on Taco Tuesday, which was just a ham hamburguesa as I another another term for what that American mm. taco was so I am I am very much so for the exploration of taco Tuesday how far can we go maybe 
maybe there's you know italian tacos that we haven't discovered yet crepes is that a taco i don't know you guys <laughs> crepes is crepe it's crepe a taco i don't know <laughs> is that a breakfast taco could be I, i'm not here to judge next week i'm showing up with crepes yeah, <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna i will pay for your crepes if you have the guts to face the community and call them breakfast tacos i think that would be epic okay guys so cross-selling let's let's get into this let's get into cross-selling because i feel like there's a lot we could talk about with a topic like this um i think it's most I thought it was important to note here too, Christian, we, we like to do the votes where we create a poll in the group. People can kind of choose what we're going to talk about. You know, we feel, we want to give you guys kind of the ability to give us direction and how our conversations are going to go. So we love doing that. And we're, we're always surprised kind of how these results of these polls work. A few weeks ago, we did this and we were like cross-selling it's happening. Didn't mm-hmm. win. And then this week we were like, something else is going to win, but no, you guys want to cross-selling. So here you go. This is it. This is what you get. Like, it's, it's funny. Cause like we were just talking about this before we went live, our minds are in sync. Cause I was just about to want to address that point as well. Um, like two weeks, two, three weeks ago, we put up cross-selling. We're both sure that it's going to win. Like we're like, all right, we're probably going to talk about cross-selling this week. I'm kind of like mentally preparing for it. What I'm going to talk about mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. gets zero votes. Like I, I swear it got like not even one. <laughs> that, was a that, one, that was the integrity up integrity versus a life, right? Yeah. Okay. That is a pretty, that is a pretty juicy topic. So maybe that does make a little more sense. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. But so yeah. Um, yeah. You guys drive the bus in terms of what we talk about. And so here we are talking about cross selling. So I, w- w- one thing I had a question for you about Glenn is, if you had to pick one product that is the easiest to cross sell with maybe Medicare, what would you pick? What would you think it would be that goes just perfectly hand in hand? That's a great question. And there's so many to pick from. Um, And I think it kind of depends on like the, the market segmentation that you're pursuing. It also depends on like where you're confident selling I think one of my favorites that I see and I've seen for a long time is the financial cross sell on the Medicare client. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have someone who's turning 65, if you have someone who maybe they're an older client, but they're not getting any sort of ROI on the 500,000 that's sitting in a checking account at the bank. And you're able to making like 0.0001% interest on that. Yeah, not making any money. I mean, I've I've seen it. I've seen it. I've written a very very small amount of annuities, so I'm, I'm familiar with you know the kind of the whole process. Um, and and so you know coming in early in the industry, what I saw a lot of really successful agents do, they sell the Medicare plan, and then a year later when they're doing a review, they say, Hey, Mrs. Jones, when we spoke last year, you know part of the discovery process when writing your Medicare plan, you know, you mentioned you have 500,000 in a savings account at the bank. You also told me you thought you were getting maybe 1% on it. You know, your Medicare plan looks great. How about we talk about this? This is something else that I do. How would you like to get four or five, 6%? I mean, again, depending on the product and what you're putting them into, 
Um, you know, some people are licensed to do variable products. So from a ROI perspective, obviously rolling something like half a million dollars and getting commission on it, that's huge. That's massive. I mean, yeah. we're talking big money, you guys. I mean, I know agents who, especially if you're, you know, street comps on annuities and financial products, I mean, you could be making six figures easily every year just in the financial products that you're cross-selling and you don't have to cross-sell every client you guys you could just be picking up you know one out of 25 percent and you're making an insane amount of money so that's probably one of my favorites there's so much i could get into but i want to ask the same question to you before i say too much else so what do you think what's yeah. the number one cross-sell so i think because there's two questions that could be addressed here. What's the best thing to be cross-selling for your business, but also what's the easiest for you to cross-sell? Like to just, you know, it just, you're going you're gonna to succeed more often than you're not going to. So if I was going to answer the, the latter first on which one I feel is the easiest to sell, I would say, in my personal opinion, it's going to be either dental vision and hearing or cancer plans. Yeah, that was going to be, that was my number two. If I had to pick, that was going to be my number two dental, dental vision. Yeah. Hearing. Like now, in, if it, if it comes to what's the best for your overall business. Um, and of course, you know, I'll, I'll take what I say on this with a grain of salt, everybody, because I, I, we really don't sell annuities here. It's something we have to start doing. Um, I've had some conversations in the last two, three months about, you know, what it would take for our office to start doing it because we just don't do much of it. And that's just more of a me not having enough hours in the day to really tackle it thing. Um, but I, I do think annuities and financial services are your best, um, you know, the, the, the most profitable for your business. I, I agree with what you said because it's such a high reward. You have such a great possibility of being able to have them work with you on it and, and you gain their trust because you've done a good job for them on their Medicare supplement or the Medicare Advantage plan already. Um, so I think that's the best thing for your business overall, because one deal can be, can equal up to a, an unbelievably large commission. Um, but if it comes down to like simplicity and how easy one is, I, I got to say the dental vision hearing and the cancer plans, they're just so easy. It's just like, you don't even have to try. So the cancer that's again, that's kind of like those are like tied for second, like cancer versus if you had a gun to your head on, you had to pick one dental and you could say dental vision, hearing dental. They're basically the same, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Dental. So, you know, between cancer insurance and dental, dental vision, hearing, like which one do you think is an easier cross sale or a better cross sell? I think a better, a better cross sell for your client is cancer. In, in my opinion, I just think they're just left more exposed for that than maybe they are in the dental, especially with, especially with how much dental some of these Medicare Advantage plans have these days. Yeah. You know, um, I just feel like there's a lot more included there. Like even like on, like, for example, the, I hope they don't come after us for me saying the name, but even the, even the AARP med subs, <laughs> you know, they, they come this, with this. Christian Brendel. Don't ever say our name again. I'll talk <laughs> They get pissed at me every time I do. Um, <laughs> um, but, but even some, even their supplements in a lot of places, I, I don't, I believe most markets, they come with some dental discounts now at the very least, you know, like 30, 40% off just by included in the sup, which is really different than anybody else is doing. 
Um, so I just, I feel like it's easier to get it included with your plan. Um, I feel like the cancer, it just protects a much larger financial risk. Um, if it, if it's in terms of easy, if I, it's very close. I think dental's still easier to sell. I think dental's the easiest cross sell you can have. Well, it's guaranteed if, issue, right? I mean, dental right, no, no yeah. health questions. I mean, um, cancer has like one question, essentially. Do you right. currently have, <laughs> you currently have <laughs> cancer? Nope. Boom, cancer insurance. You're insured. Like welcome aboard. Yeah, welcome, welcome to Sigma's cancer insurance. <laughs> We're glad to have you. But like with dental too, like you know, with plans like Emeritus, for example, like the the the, the stigma behind behind dental plans has always been the waiting periods, right? Like, can your client have the patience to get through the waiting periods, right? To get through the first 12 months. But like now we have plans like an Emeritus, you know, they're really kind of changing the landscape because they'll give you same day coverage on a crown, you know, they'll, they'll pay a little bit, they'll pay a smaller amount and it will go up in year two, but they'll at least pay 20% of a crown day one. They'll pay 20% of an implant day one, which most dental plans or dental vision hearing plans won't touch. You know, they'll stay a million miles away from an implant. So I just feel like selling the stuff nowadays is just so easy. Like it's just, you know, it's, it's really about bringing it up. Day one coverage a lot, but yeah, Surebridge is another one that I've heard from agents where it's day one coverage. So, you know, being able to sell a plan like that and the very next day your client can go out <laughs> and use that plan is awesome. You know, it, the and I statistically I got into it at one point with a call center that was selling a lot of dental. And they said something like, if they use the policy within the first month of them selling it, their persistency was like immaculate, right? Because they're using, yeah. why, why would you can't, you're not going to cancel something you're using, but if they don't use the dental policy within the first month, their persistency was noticeably less. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I thought that was an interesting stat because it just shows you how valuable it is that, that uh, day one coverage, like you're talking about. It makes perfect sense too, right? Because like, Okay, just, I'll use an example. Just recently, you know, I was just going through my bills and being like, I'm paying too many damn bills. How, what can I cut? You know, just every now and then, you know, I think all of us do that a little bit. And I'm going through and I cut a couple of things. The things I was cutting were things that I didn't use like at all. You know, right. like I just never used it. I felt like I wasn't benefiting from it all. But there were things I probably didn't need in there. Like my car wash membership, probably don't need that but I go almost every day, you know? (laughs) So I kept the car wash membership. It's just like anything, you know, like if you're consistently using it on a regular basis, um, it's a little bit harder to pull the trigger on actually canning it. And insurance policies are the same thing. I want to, I want to back it up a little bit. And I'm also going to take a moment and self plug my book. You guys, I've got my book here, how to qualify, present and sell final expense and Medicare supplements to seniors. And guess what, guys? There's a whole chapter on cross-selling. It's backwards, I think. I don't know if you can see that, but there's a whole chapter on cross-selling in this book that I wrote. It's extremely important to me. I've always been a huge believer in it. If you're talking about marketing and lowering your customer acquisition costs, cross-selling policies is a great way to do it. You're trying to sell Medicare, you get in the door, you've got a great conversation with someone, you can't sell them that Medicare policy, but they are a great possible client for a dental policy. Write that freaking dental policy, get them on the books, sell them something else a year from now and keep growing your business. So 
Um, but to take this a step back, and again, that book's on Amazon, you guys, if you'd like to purchase. Uh, it does need to be Go updated. buy it. Go buy it right now. Turn off Taco Tuesday. Go buy the book. Hit the hell off Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Turn this off. Don't even listen to this. Um, but no, I want to back this up because um, what's shocking to me is if I could, if I could see like all the stats on cross-selling and I had to guess, I would say that maybe 5% of agents are actively cross-selling. Would yeah, you agree I think with that? that? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's probably, so, I wouldn't be surprised. Why? Why? That's, that's really what I want to get into is why are agents not cross-selling when it's, it's so obvious, especially when you put it on paper and you really look at it like from a numbers perspective, from like your life and health licensed already, even if you're just health licensed, I mean, there's so many different types of policies that you can write. Why are you not cross-selling? Why do you think agents don't cross-sell? I mean, it's, 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 it's a loaded question with a loaded answer. Um, but if I had to say my, my, my best guess is I think they're afraid that it'll kill their initial sale. hundred you know, percent. I think that they they're afraid that they'll lose that meds up or they'll lose that Medicare Advantage sale. Like, I, I and I, I can kind of speak from um, Michael said lazy. That's part of it too. Yeah, I mean it's just hundred percent. Yeah, just That's easy to sell the meds up and Medicare Advantage and just walk away. I can say for myself too because I, I kind of come have a little bit of uh, of experience with being that agent. You know that was afraid of losing that sale when I for for years when I was still new. Um, I would not try to pitch hospital indemnity. Like when I was first starting out, my dad would always be like, pitch GTL, pitch hospital indemnity. Like you can make a good extra commission with it. People will buy it. You know, it's a good product. And I, I just, at that point in time, I was like, I didn't, I was like, oh, it's not a good product or you don't, they don't need it or blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, it was one of those things that I cost myself tremendous amounts of money in my, in the early years of my career, I was always good at selling dental. I was always good at selling dental. I sold dental pretty much right off the gate, right out the gate. But the other products I struggled because I was always afraid that once I made that initial sale, if I tried to add anything on top of it, that I would risk potentially losing that client and customer. So it's kind of like a scarcity thing. You know, you're like, you got the sale. You don't want to, you want to hang on to that. You don't want to risk losing it. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a, it's a dumb thing to really, when you really think about it. It's really mindset, right? Like it really is mindset because the numbers are opposite of it. The numbers statistically show that if you sell more than one policy in the house, the chance of them staying your client essentially for life is very, very high. Yeah. They're more likely to refer people to you. They're happier about their policy. They're less likely to lapse or miss payment. Like all of these stats are out there. You can go look them up. You don't have to take my word for it. The more policies you have in a home, whether it's 10 policies on one person or 10 policies on 10 people in the home, you're significantly more likely to keep that business and to keep it on the books. So yeah, um, I get, I do get it though. Again, like I remember being very scared initially. And if you don't understand all of these different policies too, that can be really intimidating as well. Like if you feel like you're an expert at Medicare, but then you start to get into final expense and you're not really sure about life insurance, um, I can understand where some fear might come in where you don't want to look like an idiot. You don't want to mess something up, but 
the reality is it's an insane amount of money that's being left on the table by the vast majority. If you're listening to this, there's a very high chance that you are not cross-selling insurance. And it blows yeah. my mind. It really does. And I, I've gotten into like virtual fist fights, keyboard warrior <laughs> fights with, with agents many, many times where I'm like, why aren't you cross-selling? Why aren't you offering this? Oh, you know, you got in there and they already had a life policy and you couldn't sell them a final expense policy. So you just walked out and shook their hand, you know, even though it was a great meeting, why didn't you talk about X, Y, Z? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me now, you know? Yeah. I think um, what agents need to understand, in my opinion, is by just bringing it up lightly, you will sell a large number of them. Like if you bring it up 10 times and let's say, you know, you do it lightly, or maybe you don't even, maybe you're not exactly even graceful at bringing it up, you know, whatever the case might be, you might still sell one or two out of 10, you know, of that easy, easy. And so I feel like agents, when they think about it, they picture this thing in their mind where they're cramming it down their prospects throat. And they're like, you know, latching onto them and they won't let go until they buy all four policies or something. That's not what really great cross sellers do in general. They just bring it up lightly, you know, gently, you know, they just suggest it or recommend it, or just, just even by bringing it up once, twice, maybe even a third time over the course of the sale is really all that it takes. I think a huge percentage of, um, of, of agents, just don't get that and don't understand. You don't have to be super forceful with your clients and potentially turn them off. Just be gentle about it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Michael said uh, every time he calls, he tries to sell something. <laughs> Commission breath. Yeah, <laughs> Commission breath. Um, and you guys, I asked you in the comment, you know, tell us what you're cross-selling. You know, tell us what, if that's the other part of this conversation that I'd love to get into as well. We don't have to do it right this second, but there are an insane number of policies and different types of policies that you could cross sell with just a life health license, not to mention if obviously you have additional licensing outside of that, but just your life health license, there's an incredible amount of policies that you can sell. One that I, I rarely hear talked about that I am a huge fan of because Ooh, I feel like it's uh, this is something that I think is like a buzzword for seniors. So again, being on the marketing side of the business, you guys, a lot of times my head is, you know, well, what are seniors interested in right now? What sort of marketing are seniors responding to? What, what are seniors talking about? You go down to the senior center and you sit in there and you just listen to them talk, right? Um, what are they talking about? And I think uh, home healthcare is one of those policies where, the idea of having someone be able to come to the house to take care of you. Um, and this is something that is very limited. You know, if you're talking about coverage outside of having a home healthcare policy and you're trying to get someone to come take care of you, it can be very, very expensive. And these home healthcare policies are extremely cheap from what I understand. I haven't looked at the actual premiums in quite some time. Have you ever sold a home healthcare policy? You know what? Just keep enjoying your sweet, you know. So I'm trying to think. I want to say. <laughs> oh, you're so I've, I've sold very few. 
That I, is I one. Wanted, that's one product that Medico, I haven't sold a ton does of. Medico I want to say Medico. So, you know, short-term health care, long-term or short-term care, long-term care, home health care, dental, dental vision hearing, cancer insurance, final expense, financial products, financial products, variable financial products. Um, you know, I mean, the goes on and on and on. And again, everything I just mentioned, except the variable products, obviously that's different. Everything else mentioned is just a life health license. Um, and I like what you said before, Christian, when you said just being soft about it. some of the best cross sellers that I know, um, they're informing the product. Hey, Mrs. Jones, um, I hope you really, you know, I'm here to talk to you about your Medicare plan. I hope we're able to get you a great solution for your Medicare plan. However, I just want you to be aware, we also handle life insurance, retirement, and long-term care. So if you ever need any of those, and then like you said, you just say that, like you literally just say, Hey, these are some other things that I do. There's a, a significant possibility that 5%, 10% of the time it's going to trigger something. And they're going to say something like, Oh, I was just wanting to talk to someone about a long-term care plan. I know I'm going to need one of those. And all of a sudden, now you're in this cross-sell conversation and you're talking about something different. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think um, I think the difference between agents that cross-sell and ones that don't is the ones that cross-sell talk about it. The ones that don't, don't talk about it. It's a simple the ones that, that cross-sell are rich. The ones that don't cross-sell are broke agents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned um, short-term care. I am amazed that that product doesn't get talked about more. I think it's a really valuable product. I really do. Um, and I like those products quite a bit. I mean, every time I do end up selling one of those plans, I feel really gratified about it because I feel like it's something that a lot of them are going to use. You know, I mean, there's been plenty of calls I've had over the years with clients of mine where, you know, they need to go into a home but like they'd have to sell their home. They'd have to sell everything they own to be able to even afford it for a couple of years. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. Cause I think short-term care, I mean, long-term care is so is, is tricky for a lot of our clients to get right because of the intense underwriting. Um, the premiums are pretty substantial. Short-term care is a nice option to that because the health questions are minimal. The premiums significantly less than um, long-term care. I mean, it's just a really good option, but I don't ever hear anybody talk about it. And I don't, I don't understand why. Yeah. I think the only one that gets significant, kind of like what we talked about at the start, I think um, cancer insurance and dental vision hearing, when the cross-sell conversation does happen, it seems like those are the primary two that do get talked about. And there's yeah. just so many, another one that popped in my head that I didn't even mention in that list. I said, um, disability insurance, again, with the senior market, it might not be as popular as maybe someone who's younger, but that's just a whole nother line of insurance that you're able to offer that someone might be interested in. And it's just a life health license. I mean, how many, I wonder how many different types of policies you can sell with a life. Man, okay. License. So if I had to just off the top of my head, just think about it. So we got with a life and health license, right? Um, life health, that's it. 
Nothing so else. You, you, of course, have the, the flagship products, the MedSups, Medicare Advantage, Part D plans, the, you know, the flagships. Then you get into the dental vision hearing, the dental plans, all that kind of goes into one, one category. Um, you have short-term care. You have yep. ACA. You have home oh. health care, hospital indemnity, um, short-term care, long-term care, final expense, mortgage Ten. protection. Um, I mean, yeah, I so whole life, term, um, you know, cash value, life insurance policies, yeah, annuities, children's um, life disability. I guess that goes into whole Children. life, though. That goes into whole life, I guess. Yeah. Uh, disability, um, accidental. I hate accidental, but people want it. So freaking nope. sell it, you guys, if they want <laughs> accidental it. Accidental death and dismemberment. Shit. There's a, there's a pro tip. Uh, if someone says they want a policy, sell it to them, you guys. Yes. Um, I mean, that, that right there, that list alone was probably close to 15 different types of policies that you could write with just your one, well, I guess technically two, your life health license. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm sure there's plenty of policies that we didn't list just there. It's just that there's so much, you know, like you could even go into the Aetna senior supplemental portal and go on their e-app where they have like the add to cart thing. They have one of the best e-apps in the whole industry. There's like eight products alone right there, you know, like all these different things you can sell and they're all competitive. You know, like if you don't have that contract in your portfolio and you want to cross sell, there's very few markets that they're not incredibly impactful, you know, for all this stuff that we're talking about, they have final expense, they have med sub, they have short-term care, they have dental vision hearing, they have cancer, they have cancer, heart attack, and stroke. They have just goes on and on and on. Critical, critical illness. Mm, that's yeah. another one yeah which uh, yeah like you said heart attack uh heart attack cancer stroke that's really criticalness um, yeah yeah like <clears throat> it's it's interesting to me though like i would say that another thing that kind of scares agents about cross-selling like if we're talking about let's specifically say final expense i'll see a lot of agents that um and not to say that we sell a ton of final expense because we don't it's like not our primary focus but like a lot of agents that start off selling Medicare, primarily that, that sell Medicare Advantage, they're terrified about it because like the compliance rules are so fuzzy about selling those things. Like, obviously, we all know that you can't sell them at the same time, but what's to stop you from setting right. an appointment for the next week and coming back and doing the final expense plan? You know, I mean, if you even just put that right. out on the table, the prospect's going to be fine with it. You could even just say, you know, we went over enough today. I don't want to overwhelm you with information, but can I come back next week and we talk about maybe that burial plan or something like that? just even that, you know, is going to get you back in the door, yep. but agents are afraid to do that. They just want to clock out and get their MAPD sale or MedSup sale and be done. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing too is, you know, I saw some posts in the guru community lately, the Medicare guru community. Um, talking about scheduling out, like you have a lead or you have a prospect or you have a client where you can't help them that day. But based on the underwriting in one, two or three years, you could potentially write them a policy because they will pass underwriting. And so I, I saw this post and agents were talking about how they're going into their CRM and they're setting these dates way out in advance to follow up with these, these people 
Um, and that is the argument to make for why do you sell a dental, a standalone dental policy or just a PDP plan? You know, there's, there's a lot of these ancillary products, you guys, that we've talked about where the compensation on the back is not anything. A lot of these, a lot of these ancillary, and that's why a lot of them don't get too much love, right? Another reason yeah. we go back to why are agents not cross-selling? Well, a lot of these ancillary products don't come with a big check attached to it. Whereas final expense, Medicare, you know, these core products are very commission driven um, from the carriers. So, uh, but the, the point I'm trying to make, long story short here, is if you sell them a policy, even if it's a small policy, they are now your clients. They are now on your book of business. You can now market to them. You can follow up with them. You know, it's an excuse to, to be in contact with. It's the best type of person to have to market to because they already bought from you, you guys. There's statistically, statistically the possibility that they're going to buy again from you is 60 to 80% higher than a, just a lead. So Ooh. if you have a lead and you also have someone you know, you're trying to do a, a prospect that's just coming from a lead versus a policy, someone that bought from you before that, that policy holder that already bought from you 60 to 80% more likely to buy from you again, versus just a lead that said they were interested in talking to someone. So, I mean, I, I don't know, like what else to say to possibly entice you guys to start <laughs> doing this. Like, it's so much money, so much opportunity you're missing out on. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I have a question for you, Mr. Shelton, on this. Yes, Mr. Brindle. So do you feel like an agent is best off? What is that? What is that? Horchata. Oh, ooh. Horchata, ooh. you guys. Not okay. a soda. I know okay. some of you were trying to soda shame. So to shame. Don't do that. <laughs> so, so do you feel like an agent is better off trying to make a cross sell product after they've made the initial sale, or do you think they're better off bringing it up all together in a bundling manner? So, in this, I think this comes to person comes back to personal preference for the agent or the agency. But yeah. I, I see cross-sell as having two big value adds. There's the after the sale, and then it's the save the sale. So, you know, you already did the sale. Great. Here's some other stuff I do, Mrs. Jones. It, you know, if you ever need anything, or if you want to talk about some of this right now, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then the other, the other way of going about this, again, is if you find yourself in a situation where you're sitting down, with, and I can't tell you how many times this happened to me as an agent, and I missed a ton of opportunities myself. I would sit down with someone. We'd have a great conversation. We would build rapport. They trusted me. They're interested. But the primary policy, whether it's, you know, whatever it was, mortgage protection, final expense, Medicare, it just didn't make sense for them. So, you know, at that point, pivoting to a cross sell and saying, hey, I know I was here for this, but I also do this. Is this something that you might need help with? just throw, what's the worst that could happen? Maybe they'll say no. Like what's, you're already there. You've already invested your time and money into meeting with this person. You know, if you only hit one out of 20 of those, that's still 5%. That's still an extra 
hundred policies a year. I mean, I don't know. I don't, it depends how many you're, how much you're writing, but um, yeah, it's just a huge missed opportunity. I mean, if you were, have, have you done it the kind of the save the sale way, or are you more like, Hey, we just did this. If you're cross selling, you know, what, what would you, your avenue be Mr. Brindle? Yeah. So, um, I've obviously done it both ways, you know, over the years, just to try to feel, just to kind of get a feel for what I felt like worked better. Um, what I personally like to do is I will lightly bring up topics throughout my normal presentation. So like, let's say I'm doing a a regular Medicare advantage presentation, let's say, right. I've gotten my scope, everything like that. And, um, you know, we're growing through maybe a summary of benefits or something like that of a plan, maybe I'll get to one of the larger copays, right? A pain point in the plan. Like, let's say I'm getting to the hospitalization copay and it's like $350 per night for the first five nights. I'd say, by the way, Mrs. Jones or whoever I'm talking to, I'd say, um, there's a little policy we have that we kind of look at as like a hospital policy that can plug in that hole for you, or at least pay some of that for you to kind of lessen the load. We can talk about that later. That's what I've found works the best for me is I'll just lightly drop it in as I'm going through the regular presentation. Then once I get to the end where I'm, you know, writing up the other policy, I'd say, oh, by the way, remember that hospital policy we meant I mentioned earlier, does that something you'd want to look at to see if we could beef up your coverage a little bit? Um, and just something like a little light like that, you know, then, then it kind of I've planted the seed early on in the presentation. They forget about it by the time we're done, but then I remind them of it, you know? And so that that's been my approach. There's been plenty of occasions though, where like I'll run into something, like you said, where I can't sell it for some reason, right? Like I, I, they either can't change or don't have an election period, or maybe if it's a med sub, they can't pass underwriting, whatever the case might be. I'd pivot into the cross sell where like, maybe I'm just trying to sell a dental plan. Maybe I'm just trying to sell a hip plan or something like that. And I've gotten plenty of policies where I'll just write a PDP. I'll just write a dental plan. I'll just write a hip plan. And then I end up coming back later and getting the main plan later because they're on my book of business, you know? So I've done it both ways, but I think there's a place for both depending on what, what the situation ends up being. That was I'm not sure if you guys caught that, but that's Christian playing like 5D chess with these prospects. He's playing (laughs) seeds early in the conversation. He's coming back. He's harvesting those. It it is a good way though. Like you have, there's a familiarity once you bring it up again, because you did mention it. You know, hey, Mrs. Jones, do you want to see if we can get you qualified for that hospital plan today? I'm already here. We're already talking. Um, And it would just take maybe an extra two minutes and and we can see if we can get you qualified for both. How great would that be? And then if something does happen, you don't even have to worry about it, Mrs. Jones. You know, I mean, just that's a it's a really simple site because the hardest part of the whole thing, you guys, it's getting their private information. Um, Well, we got some good questions here. We'll get into those in a second, but um, you know, getting their personal information, getting their banking information, you know, that's, that's the the hardest part. So once you get all of that, once you go through the medical underwriting, you know, you got their personal information, you got their payment information at that point, you know, why not, why not try to get them qualified for other policies? Because again, it's going to help them. I think that here's another part of it too, is I think there's this mentality with some agents 
where they feel like they're almost stealing money from people. And I get that. I, I, I've kind of felt the same thing, but the, you, have to, you have to really understand that you're doing something good. You are helping them. If you make a bunch of money in the process, by all means, that's a byproduct of what we're doing, you guys, as an insurance agent. Um, but don't get caught up. It's it's not even about the commissions. Like over, you know, there's the fiduciary duty. You can't over-insure someone. Yeah, I mean, you know, be reasonable. Don't take advantage of someone just because they're willing to write, you know, to to sell if someone's just, you know, if they're 80 years old and they're, yeah, whatever you say, Glenn, like don't write someone 20 policies just because you can. But, you know, for the vast majority of agents out there, I think people get scared about like taking too much money from someone or man, can you really afford 200, $300 a month? You know, have that conversation with them. If they say that they can afford it, you know, over-insuring someone should be really one of the last things you're thinking about. Most, I'd say 90, 95% of these prospects that you're going to encounter are underinsured. They yes. have no insurance or they don't have enough insurance. So this... So, yeah, I'll get off my soapbox there, but that's, I think that's something that agents also will deal with. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously I, I do think obviously <laughs> I've, I've ran into prospects before where I felt like an agent might've taken advantage of them, right. Where they have like six, seven policies all at once. And they're only, you right. know, they don't need six or seven. So obviously I think that there is, um, I think that there is a, a limit to this guys. I think, my my advice would be sell them things that you feel like they they need. You know what I mean? Like sell them products you believe in, but also just take a look at and see what it is that they do need. What holes do they have? And then fill in those holes. It's just like anything else you do. Because um, I, I do feel like there is a balancing point to it as well. Because I, I do believe if you come in too heavy and too hard and selling too many products that you will, they will smell your commission breath a little bit, you know? Um, yeah. You don't want that. Um, but, I think, but I, I completely a hundred percent agree with what Glenn said as well, because how many people do you actually encounter on a day-to-day basis that are over-insured? Not too many. They're no, most of the time they're under-insured. So a it's fraction, just, a fraction. It's like there. just a tiny percentage. So that is very spot on because so many of them are underinsured. If you can get them to the point where they're close to where they need to be or they're where they need to be, then you're doing them a service. Well, and another thing I wanted to touch on too that you kind of started to get into is how could you do this wrong? Like we're talking about all the right ways to do it or the, the good ideas about doing it. Like how could you cross sell inappropriately or the wrong way? <laughs> um, and I think there's, there's agents that might get too excited. They run in the door like a puppy you know, and it's like, hi, Mrs. Jones, I can do this, this, and this. So what do you want to talk about? Like, like have a purpose, be there for a reason, you know, have, have a plan of attack. Don't shiny object syndrome. Don't, don't just start talking about everything all at once, because then you might not sound professional. You might distract the client. You might talk yourself out of a sale. If you're, if you're so going hard for your cross sale product that you almost ignore the reason that you're there, that could be a recipe for disaster as well. 
Um, yeah, I agree. Go- I agree. I mean, I think I, th- I, if for me, the first thing that comes to my mind when you say that is what could you do wrong <laughs> um, to cross sell incorrectly? Yeah. I, I would say the main thing you can do wrong is come across like a used car salesman, right? Like if you've gone, you've gone to the car dealership before and bought a car, right? And oh, they're yeah. trying to tack on, like they take you into the finance guy's room. You know what I mean? And you sit him down with you and he's just like hard pushing you sometimes. He's trying to add this on, add this warranty on, add that on. And they're all bullshit. You know what I mean? They're all like the worst deal <laughs> of all time. You, know you want mean? some gap insurance? You know, this, you drive this car off the lot right now, Krishna, it's going to lose probably 30% of its value. I can cover that right now for $80 a month. Why would you not do that? And, and if you let them, they will, they will, they might, they might add another 50% on what you owe and the mortgage or so, like, yeah, they'll triple your payment, dude. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, <clears throat> so you don't want to come across like that. You know, you want to come across like, and the other thing I would say is, take the time to explain why you're recommending what you're recommending. Cause if they understand what the purpose of the policy is and you're not trying to be a smooth, fast talking salesman and confuse them into buying it. If they actually just, if you take the time to be courteous and helpful and just explain and do a good job of explaining like you would a family member, what, what you're selling them and what the purpose of it is, I think they're going to, keep it longer. The last thing you want to do is for people to not understand something. Like anytime I bought something that I didn't understand, but some douchebag like talked me into it, I don't keep it, you know, and we're all that way. Your clients are that way, you know, just make sure that they know why they know why it's important. They know what the value of it is. And I think, I think that's a much more effective approach. Totally agree. So um, let's jump into some of these questions. So Michael asked, you know, what about cross-selling on telesales? Ooh. So that, that is a good, and a lot of what I've been kind of talking about or, uh, you know, almost role-playing here with Christian today, it has been more of kind of a face-to-face cross-sales approach. Um, but the scripting can be very similar if you are trying to sell over the phone and you're trying to cross-sell. I think, I think honestly, if you're not sure where to start, I think, just picking a couple of your favorite cross-sell policies and just mentioning that it's something you do at some point in the conversation and then just seeing what happens from there. You know, if they say, oh, I'm not interested at all or, oh, that's great. Next time I'd like to talk more about it or, oh, hey, I want to get into it right now. Like you're going to find people that are varying degrees of interest once you bring it up. So, you know, figure out Figure out what works for you. And Michael's asking if there's a good client questionnaire. There's a hundred billion client <laughs> questionnaires. That's B with a billion, you guys. I have seen more client questionnaires than probably humans exist on planet Earth. I've seen them from carriers. I've seen them from IMOs and FMOs. I've seen independent agents make their own. I've seen virtual questionnaires. I've seen where it's, um, you know, it's on your website and you're trying to get people to fill out the questionnaire themselves. Uh, that's like such a personal preference question. You have to figure out what, what do you want to know? What do you want to know from them? But it's not a bad idea to go through some of these fact finding questions with your prospect and to get that information, because that's a tool that they're going to give you to help cross sell more policies. But what do you think about telesales versus face-to-face when it comes to cross selling? 
Well, I mean, I feel like it, it obviously depends on what you're selling, right? Like some of the smaller little policies like a dental vision hearing or a cancer plan, they're, they're so easy to sell in general. And they're very easy enrollments to be able to do, like, especially like, let's say you're selling an Aetna MedSup, right? And they need a dental plan where you can just do the dental vision hearing within the Aetna thing. And it's just all one thing. You're just adding it to cart. So I think it just depends on what, what you're, what you're trying to sell. I think, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, without turning this into a full-blown telesales episode, cause we've done that already. We already did um, it. Boom. <laughs> we've done that already. But, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I think the main thing is you have to make sure that you're not coming across on the phone too pushy or too aggressive or anything like that, because it's much easier for them to hang up on you if they're not face-to-face or it's much easier for them to just get away from you than if you're sitting face-to-face belly to belly. I think the main thing is just being like, you know, just so you know, Mr. And Mrs. Prospect, you know, let's say this med sup doesn't cover, you know, let's say they're doing med sup. This med sup isn't going to come with the dental vision and hearing. Um, there's a really good program I like that can essentially solve that issue for you for a good 30 bucks a month, about a dollar a day. Is that something you'd want to look at? You know, just something light like that. Just like, as you're going through the process being like, and would you like this as well? You know, that your plan doesn't, your plan has limitations here and here and here, but this plan can help with that. Do you want to add that into what we're doing? Just like these little things as you're going through the process on your phone call, I think is really as complicated as it needs to be. I think, I, I think the main thing is with telesales to, to get out, to, to get on my soapbox for a second. Because I feel like agents make it so hard and they complicate it so much. Just keep it more simple than anything. And I think you're going to do yourself a favor. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, I think people get so in their heads about, you know, this is too much or I don't want to confuse them. But um, again, it's like the most successful cross-selling agents that I've ever spoken with. It's always something. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's prize with. That's exactly what it yes. is. That's it. That's, That's it. it. You know, you're going to McDonald's, you order a burger. Are they just going to say, okay, here's your burger? No, they don't do that. <laughs> Never. But McDonald's is the greatest cross-selling organization on earth. <laughs> which, which what I'm trying to think where I was. I want to say it was Wendy's. I think I went to Wendy's the other day and before I can even say anything, they were pitching me like different products at the drive-thru. They're like, hi, welcome to Wendy's. Do you want to try our special Baconator fries or some of our fresh chocolate chip cookies today? I'm like, whoa. I'm like, this is aggressive, you guys. I'm like, I need to look at the menu. Taco Bell is always trying to double my beef and add sour cream to everything. <laughs> I'm like, it's got a lot of beef already. What do you, what do you think I am? <laughs> Beefcake. Beefcake. Um, yeah, I like, I really like the fries with that. And now that's, that's seriously all it is with cross-selling you guys. Um, and the most successful agents I've ever spoken with when it comes to cross-selling, it's almost always just a really simple one line in, in their sales pitch. You know, um, there's another agent I'm thinking of right now that I worked with for years and he was almost entirely Medicare supplement over the phone. And he made sure he made a point of it every single time. Um, I, it's, you know, I believe it was at the end. So, you know, again, either the end of the conversation, either after 
or the sale didn't happen and he's wrapping up the conversation, whatever happened on that phone call at the end, he was asking about life insurance. And he said he was very consistent. At least one out of 20, he was selling a life insurance policy. Um, and he said he thought he could probably do better if he really tried. He really didn't even try. It was literally like, hey, you know, do you need help with life insurance? Because we also do that. Like it was literally like, that was like all he said. And, you know, again, let's say you're writing, you know, one of one life insurance policy a week, 50 policies a year. I mean, you're talking about some serious yeah, compensation. That's not too right? bad. <laughs> no. And, and that's, that's literally like, you guys could literally take one sentence from today's episode, plug it into what you're doing, and you could make an income. I mean, I would say probably like thirty to fifty thousand dollars, just cash, just like thirty to fifty thousand dollars in cash, right? Just by adding one sentence to your sales pitch, it's crazy. It really is that yeah. simple. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous. Like, um, <clears throat> I, I wanted to I wanted to see what your thoughts were on Tracy's question about the home health care. I will not answer that question, Tracy. Get off of my live feed. <laughs> Michigan Wolverine, hey, probably a Wolverine fan, huh? Speaking of Tracy, he was making comments the other day. He's gonna, he's looking to move into Utah and open up another office or something. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like the fuck you say? Uh, I'm <laughs> like assuming, we're doing what? <laughs> I'm assuming you're joining the Mormon religion. <laughs> that better be it. Go. That better be it. Stay out. <laughs> I wonder if Tracy's even still on this. Um, it was a great question. I actually, yeah. it was, it was an angle that I don't think maybe a lot of agents would think about, but he was talking about home health care being pitched as asset protection and what a great angle, especially for someone who has, you know, assets that they're worried about losing. Maybe they want to give it to someone, you know, their, their family. Um, it's, it, it's crazy how fast uh, severe illness or terminal illness can just suck everything i've seen it happen time and time and time again you know if you had millions of dollars in assets your home your boat your cars you know maybe you own real estate whatever whatever assets it is that you have and you get really really sick guess what you really don't care about any of those assets anymore you're gonna just start liquidating to take care of yourself so being able to sell something like a home health care policy could go a really long way um, with protecting someone's assets. So I think that's phenomenal. Personally, yeah. that's probably not necessarily an angle I would use, but if I think with the right client, I think it would be just a home run with the right client who's really worried about losing their assets. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it, it, it's a great point because people that are in lower income brackets, like specifically people that are in poverty, they might very quickly, if they develop a situation like that, be able to be on Medicaid. And so if they get Medicaid, Medicaid's going to come in and pay for additional home health care and more of the custodial care and things like that than Medicare would. And so it makes a lot of sense because they, those people, you know, they don't necessarily have as much to lose, but they also have access to more help than maybe the higher income net worth clients. So I think it's a great point. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And one of, uh, I'll never forget. It was like my second week as an agent. 
Um, and again, I'm just, I'm blitzing these old life insurance leads. Uh, and I'll never forget, I was in this house and I remember thinking like when I had the lead and I'm in front, I'm like, I'm like, damn it. I'm like, is this really right? Because it was such a nice house. It was this giant house, you know, several cars in front of the house, the mortgage amount. Cause I think it was actually a mortgage protection direct mail lead that I was working at the time. It's like a million dollar property. And so, you know, I get in there and I'm, I think I'm, you know, I'm slick. I'm going to use my same pitch. You know, they had no interest in, in a policy like that. They had so many assets, you know, they had, they had so much wealth that the idea of a small life insurance policy to cover the house, it just didn't really fit for them. Right. But you know, that was a scenario where if I had been like, Hey, look at all this great stuff. It'd suck if, you know, you got sick and all of it had to go towards medical expenses. (laughs) Like, you know, that would have been a great conversation to have. And I didn't have it. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know at the time. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it makes a lot of sense because, you know, when you're, when you're starting out, you have so many situations that come at you and um, you really just don't know hundred percent how to deal with it until you look back at it and been like, maybe I could have handled that better, but we could get into that all day. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Missed opportunities. So my, Michael, Michael asked cancer 5k or 50k. I, I think it depends on what they have, right? Like for me, I think if they have like a Medigap, for example, this is just me personally. I don't really feel like they need more than like 10 grand or 15 grand or something like that at the most because their medicals hundred percent covered or close to it, right? The main thing they have to worry about when they have a Medigap is the prescription costs, right? Those tier five prescriptions and all that stuff. Um, I don't necessarily think they need 50K in that scenario. That's just my personal opinion. Um, maybe someone might have a different perspective on that than me. Um, I might think they could use a little bit more if they're on a Medicare Advantage plan because they, they can get attacked from both angles, right? The prescription costs as well as the medical with the max out of pocket and everything like that. And that obviously depends on how good the Advantage plan is. Um, but in my personal opinion, I think, I think depending on what you're selling, I think somewhere between 20 to 25 is probably your sweet spot with Medicare. That's my opinion. I think this is actually a really interesting question. And coming from the final expense side of the business, what I can tell you is that this is a really hotly debated subject. Um, and there, there is two sides. You know, there's the side that says, if you're selling a final expense policy and you're kind of trying to fit it in their budget and they're telling you that they have $15 a month and you're about to sell them a $3,000 death benefit, which again, I've, I've done, you know, I've sold $15 policies. Um, you know, one school of thought is get them on the books, make them your client, sell them whatever you can get your hands on, right? If it's a $15 a month final expense policy, great. You know, even if you didn't really make any money, this is someone that you can follow up with. They already bought from you, yada, yada, yada. Just like I talked about earlier. The other side of it that some agents have argued, and again, there's validity, I think, to both sides of this, is that I'm not selling a small death benefit because it doesn't really help them. You know, what's a $3,000 death benefit when their funeral is 20 grand? You know, it doesn't really help them. Um, I'm also wasting my time because my commission check, if I spend an hour with someone and I write a $15 policy, you know, I'm making a hundred bucks, right. Or whatever, you know? So 
it goes both ways. The persistency on the bigger policy is typically better because right. again, if they're willing to pay a hundred, two hundred dollars a month, it's a big deal to them, and they're actually more likely to keep it. And you might think it's opposite. You might think someone's more likely to keep a ten or twenty dollar a month policy, but that's not true. They're actually more likely to keep it. And personally, my sweet spot was eighty dollars. My final expense policies that were like eighty dollars or more, it was like they never fell off the books. But it was, but below eighty, that like twenty, you know, the the fifteen dollar policy to yeah. fifty, like those, it was like a hot, you know, it was a a coin flip whether those were going to stay on the books or not because people yeah. change their minds. So I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, that's true. Know. That's true. I mean, that's a great pers- perspective on it too, because that is true. You know, like they, they, they look at the bigger plan as a better, you know, probably more of a, of, of a, of an asset. Yeah. hundred you know? percent. Um, so that, that's a great point. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, that's um, <clears throat> there's definitely two sides of that coin, I feel. But I, I think there's a lot of validity there in what you said. Um, if you had to pick one, what side do you, you lean towards selling anything? I, I think that there's a limit as well. I feel like, you know, if you sell them like this $15 a month policy in that situation with maybe like a $3,000 benefit or something, I almost feel like at that point, it just is worthless. <laughs> you I know? mean... Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel <laughs> like I, I feel like I feel like there's a limit to it. You know what I mean? Like I necessarily I, I've seen some clients too. I'll, I'll use um, hospital indemnity as an example. Yeah, I've seen people that have been sold hospital indemnity plans where they are maxed out on it, right? Like they have the full hospital benefit. Um, they have the full skilled nursing benefit. They have the full, you know, cancer plan included. They have the full like dental plan, like every little thing that the person could have on the hospital indemnity plan was just maxed out by this agent and they're pro- and and they're paying like maybe 20 bucks for a medicare advantage plan and maybe like 150 to 200 bucks a month for this hospital indemnity which at that point I'm like you know like I can come in and sell them a med sup and they save money right you know and so like I feel like there is a balance to it I don't know. I, I do think it's very situ- situational. I do agree that I wouldn't want to sell them too small of a plan because, again, too small of a plan just doesn't really help. Like you said, I agree with that. But at the same time, I think that if you can sell them maybe a plan that is just too ridiculously maxed out to where at that point it's just like, you know, if someone like me comes in and sees that and they're like, damn, this person's paying like, a ton of premium for this. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like right. there's a balance to right. it. <clears throat> well, I think what you said, cause again, like I'm thinking back to final expense clients, like there's definitely a market in the final expense community, like in the prospects where a three to $5,000 policy would actually fit their needs perfectly. You know, they just want to be cremated. And, you know, they, they just want to maybe cover a little bit of money beyond that. They don't really have any money, so they can't really buy a bigger policy. So a $5,000 death benefit is like, it helps them sleep at night. It's perfect. And those situations like, yeah, you really should just write that policy. They want it. They understand it. They can afford it. Um, 
it gets dicey though when you when you have someone who really wants the twenty thousand dollar policy but they can only afford the three thousand dollar policy yeah. and then you sell it to them and they're and then a month goes by and they're like huh, <laughs> this wasn't what i wanted and then they cancel the policy and then it was all just a waste anyways so michael asked mike michael's on a roll like got some great just questions peppering us but i like it MVP. i like it they're good questions um yeah so the, the, okay replacing a med sup do you use the savings for a cross sell so that's a that's a that's a lovely question i love it um so i think that see i want to give a really good thoughtful answer here what i would say is sometimes you can take an approach to getting someone to sell to 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 get a med sup from you if that is part of the pitch you know be like you could pay the exact same thing you're paying now mrs you know betty or mrs jones or whoever i'm talking to um and but but instead of, you know, just getting the meds up or just getting the medical that you're getting right now, you could also get a cancer plan included or you can get, you know, a final expense plan included or whatever the case might be. I think there's a strong argument for doing that. But I do think, again, it comes back to, I think if you don't do it the right way, it can come across to where like, they're like, well, I want to save money, but you're taking it away from me. You know, you get that commission breath coming through a little bit. So um, I think it depends. I, I, I think that comes back to fact, accurately fact finding with the person and finding out what their pain points are and what's important to them. Cause not everybody has the same um, agenda with getting themselves covered. You know, I, I think it's a really good idea though. I think you should at least try <laughs> because yeah. I think um, a lot of people, will look at that as, you know, they're not paying any more than they're already paying, but they're getting more coverage. That's a powerful thing. Yeah. I think I've heard the pitch many times. And I think, I think that sweet spot is where you can say that you're still saving them money. You know, yeah, we've got a few different options, Mrs. Jones. It looks like I could actually get you this final expense burial policy that I mentioned earlier in our conversation and I can still save you probably close to $200 a year. So, you know, we're, we're saving you money. We're getting you a final expense policy and none of your Medicare benefits are changing with your Medicare supplement plan. You know, it's a federalized standardized Medicare supplement plan. So whether it's a plan G with mutual of Omaha or plan G with Aetna or plan G with Cigna, it's all the same. It's all the same benefits. So that's one of my favorite, you know, it's such a win-win like, why wouldn't they take that burial policy? Um, I think if you're a pro, you'd probably kind of do some probing early in the conversation to figure out what they're most interested in. Um, because again, if, if you just swing for like a life insurance plan at the end and they have no interest in life insurance, you may have just cost <coughs> yourself your cross sale because uh, and the other, the other thing I've seen a lot of agents do too, which I think is kind of funny, is telling them how much they're going to save and then trying to backpedal into like, Mrs. Jones, I'm about to save you two grand a year. Hey, what if I sell you, how about I sell you this uh, final expense policy that's going to cost you about 1200 a year? It's $100 a month. Like phrasing, I think phrasing can get really really important when you're trying to do that correctly but i'm a huge fan of it um you're essentially able to sell them something without taking money away from them 
and then you're also stacking those policies so your persistency is going to be higher. I mean, it's that's one of the best ways to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't understand Don's question. I don't either. I wasn't even going to say it. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, should I, should I? Don, <laughs> what are you like, saying, Don? I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't understand. Speaking Maybe of plan N, for us. yeah, rephrase or clarify, Don, we'd be happy to answer your question. Uh, but since it is some question about plan N, um, how often are you selling plan N just out of curiosity with your supplements in general? I'm just curious because it seems <clears throat> most agents rarely ever sell plan N. It seems like it almost never happens from what I hear. So I, I think it's become much more mainstream in the last couple of years, um, mainly because that of the, the changes that have taken place with um, uh, plan G, you know, kind of getting into the guaranteed issue space, right? For people turning 65 after 2020, that's caused maybe the plan G rates to get a little bit more volatile, plan N not so much. So I'd say, but, but I still sell a lot more G than I do N, a lot more. Um, because I feel like there's a lot more predictability than G. I know some people are going to come and smack me in the head with that. Um, Cause there's a lot of plan N, you know, witnesses out there, if you will. Um, I probably still sell 80% plan G, maybe 20% yeah. plan N. I don't sell anything other than those two. Like maybe once in a blue moon, I'll sell an F. Like if I get like an 85 year old, that's on a plan F paying like this huge premium and she won't get anything but that. And we can cut hundred bucks off her rate, you know, um, that's so the, the situation i'll do an f but almost always it's one of those two but it's more g than anything else at least that least makes for me personally and that makes all the sense in the world the way you just described it so don I, don clarified for us you guys so it sounds like basically utilizing a med sub plan n because again you know price premium price wise f's the most expensive than g then n's going to be typically the least expensive option so from what i understand Don's talking about leading with a plan N supplement to try to free up as much cash as possible for the prospect to then ultimately turn around and pivot into a cross sell. That's, that's my understanding. Um, and yeah, I think that could work as long as the plan N makes sense for the client. Yeah. Um, I really like plan G for a multitude of reasons, just like almost everyone else, you know, you're the, you're less likely to get a premium increase with most plan G's, um, you know, it's a, a really simple to explain and for the prospect to understand. So, I, um, you know, I think my preference, if I could choose, I would rather move someone from an F to a G or from a G to a lower cost G than to try to put someone in an N, especially if it doesn't fit or doesn't make sense. You know, the last thing you'd want is for that, what is it, 5% excess billing that they could be hit with. You know, the last thing you would want is for something like that to happen. But again, that's, it's pretty unusual from what I understand that, you know, unexpected billing is happening with plan N. It, it's almost unheard of. You know, I've never seen an excess charge ever with a client of mine with a plan N. And so I've heard like maybe one or two stories of it ever. Like in some markets, it's not even legal. You know, the state has made it not a thing that can happen. My take on it is this. I think. Hang on, really, really fast before you get in that. What about yeah. a high deductible plan F? <clears throat> People are going to get mad at me. Every time I talk about this, they get <laughs> mad at me. 
I have a video on our number on our main channel on the Christian Middle Insurance Services channel about plan, high deductible Plan G. It's a it's a podcast episode, everything Medicare podcast episode, and I just take a big dump on Plan a high deductible Plan G throughout the whole. It's pretty savage. It's a pretty <laughs> savage video, and um, <clears throat> I don't care for it. I don't care for high deductible G. I don't care for high deductible F. I just I don't I don't care for them. You know, I just don't think they're all that great. I guess. You know, that's just my take. Um, but that's just me. I know some people sell them all this stuff. Like I, I think in a lot of markets, they're going to be 50, 60, $70 a month in premium. You have this big deductible. There's a lot of markets that have a $3,000 Medicare advantage max out of pocket. That's what's good. It almost the high deductible, these high deductible plans, it's almost similar to, you know, you got that MA uh, max out of pocket. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't want to sell that high deductible plan and then have someone get nuked on something where they have to come out of pocket a bunch of money and then they get upset with me as the agent and they're saying, Glenn, why'd you write this for me? Why didn't you write, my cousin's got a real plan F, Glenn. Why did you, get, you know, like the freaking nonsense. But, but, but like if I, get, if I was going to give you, you my Cliff Notes plan G first plan N thoughts, it would be this plan G will have higher rate increases and high and more rate volatility in the next five to 10 years. I think that, I think the data backs that up um, because of the macro bill, the changes that took place with that. We've already seen it a little bit. I do think that some carriers have not shown any rate, you know, as much rate volatility as others. I think it, it is kind of carrier based as well. Um, but I do think with a plan N, there's more um, uncertainty right? Because you have the doctor copay every single time, right? And right. I've, I've seen plenty of clients over the years where like they, they're very healthy when they turn 65. And then three years later, they're all of a sudden they're not, you know, they yep. develop tons of things. They're seeing doctors on a regular basis and the savings they had erodes away and it actually turns into the red and they're yep. spending more in the copays. So I like the plan G more just because it's so much more predictable. You know, you have the deductible, the part B deductible, and then you're done, you know? So the rate increases might be a little bit higher, but I, I, I think when I, and I explain all of that to clients, I'll explain them both like that to clients. I find more clients will go G because there's just, you know, you, you can, you know what you get more with plan G, no matter what happens to you. Mic drop. That's it. You guys <laughs> plan G <clears throat> boom. But, but what were you, but, what but were you every, gonna every, say before I cut you off though? Yeah. What were you saying? No, I'm saying well, well, before I asked about the high deductible plans, you were about to you were about to launch into something, and I just wanted your your opinion on that high deductible plan. Yeah. So um, every time I talk about high deductible plan G F anything like that, I do get a lot of hate comments. Like if you look at that video on YouTube, there's a lot of negative comments. They're just like Christian's an idiot, you know. And I'm just like, well, there's organizations, uh, and and I to explain this a little further. Uh, there's organizations out there that have built a whole organization around the high deductible plans. And I think the idea that these organizations are going after is very similar to what Don was kind of getting at is selling them the lowest policy possible. So it's the lowest premium possible. So you've taken care of that need because they do have a policy, even if it's not the best policy, 
And now you've freed up all of this money to work with. So I really think a lot of these people who are fans of the high deductible plans, I really think that is uh, the angle that they're really trying to work is, you know, hey, Mrs. Jones, you're paying $200 a month. I can lower this to $50 a month. You know, you might have to pay more out of pocket, but you told me you didn't even go to the doctor last year. You know, let's get you this plan instead. We'll get you cancer. We'll get you final expense. And you're still saving $600 a year. You know, I, I think there is a lot of people who try to structure it like that, but it just doesn't, I just don't believe in it. I just don't think it works. I don't believe in the high deductible plans. Michael, yeah, I'm not a big believer either. So Michael's met, talking about physical therapy on planet. I guess you have to pay out of pocket for physical therapy. I guess that's what he's saying. I don't think that's included as a doctor visit because it's an office visit that you charge the copay for. Yeah, that's above my pay grade. I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't answer um, the question. But yeah, I mean, I think we've gotten into this whole med sup conversation now. And um, wow. instead of really the cross selling, but like, I mean, guys, for me, you know, um, I think if you can take anything out away from this, it's that if you want to cross sell more, bring it up more. That's probably the most the most simplest advice, most actionable advice um, that you can take out of this and just implement, just bring it up more, you know, just yeah. talk about it. And yeah. final thoughts, let's get into it. We're, we're past that hour mark here. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's really my final thoughts on it is just, you know, yeah. if you want to, whatever you want to cross sell, bring it up, bring it up casually, bring it up at the end, bring it up just mildly during your appointment, like I mentioned earlier, but whatever you're doing, bring it up. Even if you bring it up wrong, or even if you bring it up bad, you're going to sell a, a percentage of the people that, you know, you, you talk to, like you mentioned that agent, you know, that was selling those, you know, maybe 50 life policies a year, just selling one out of 20, barely trying. I'll yep, take that. Barely. Yeah. Barely trying. Yeah. I mean, so just, just bring it up guys. Don't be scared to bring it up. Don't shove it down your client's throat either. Cause you know, like we've talked about throughout this, you can kill the sale if you push too hard, <clears throat> but even if you just bring it up, you'd be amazed at the amount of people that are like, okay, I'll add that it's 20 bucks extra month. Sure. 40, 50 bucks extra month. But yeah, I'm, I can do that. You know? Um, yeah. And Glenn makes, made a, makes a great point by saying the, the persistency increases if you have multiple plans in the house. So that's just my final thoughts. And I think that's very true. That's a Limra statistic, you guys. That's something that, that has definitely been vetted. And, and personally, anecdotally, I'd also be willing to go on the record and say from the policies that I have personally written, that the multi-policy households definitely seem to stay on the books longer yeah. than, you know, just running and gunning a single policy and, and, you know, never talking to that person again, which unfortunately a lot of agents do but yeah i mean i i really agree with christian i think i think a lot of agents overthink it i think this really is as simple as just mentioning it um literally one sentence uh, i think there's a, a maybe another little piece of it when it comes to your branding or you know with your website or with your business card or you know, with your, your letterhead or your signature on your email, you know, you can literally just mention these things like, 
hey, we handle Medicare policies and financial products for seniors. You know, um, the Shelton agency handles, you know, Medicare supplements and cancer. Like it's, it's really simple. You guys don't overthink it. Just, just mention it. Um, and you'll be surprised what happens. I really do. I think if you guys just talked about it more, um, talk to your upline too. If you don't know what to cross sell, if you don't have the contracts to cross sell, um, get your upline involved because they should be able to point you in the right direction and hopefully they'll set you up for success. But it's, it's really that simple. Just have one line in that conversation, just minimum. Hey, Mrs. Jones, we also do life insurance. Hey, you know, what about your dental, dental vision hearing coverage? Do you have anything to help you with that? And just see where it goes. Maybe nothing comes from it. Maybe they say no. Maybe they buy it right there on the spot. Maybe they refer you to someone who is interested in dental vision hearing coverage. Oh, my sister just needs, oh, my sister needs hearing aids. She would love this. You know, I mean, you'd be surprised. I really think you guys would be surprised what would happen. Or, or I want maybe. To like challenge, I want to like challenge everybody. Yeah. Seriously, like, or maybe Do it. even, even, you know, you bring it up, they're not sure you leave them with a brochure, they, they get back with you and, and, and sign up for it. That happens, even though it's like kind of a misconception that it doesn't happen. I don't know, for, for me in my office, like, I think it's because we're so non high pressure with clients. Like I really do try to, um, you know, cement the culture around here that we're not high pressure with clients that they feel comfortable with us and they come back to us in two or three weeks and sign up for it. Sometimes it's six months later, you know, and sign up for the cost cross sell product. Um, sometimes they don't at all, you know, but um, I mean, getting them some, I mean, so you, you want to do whatever you can to get them to make a good decision for them right there on the spot. But then there is a mixture to that. And sometimes if you let them do it at their own speed in the right scenario, then they're willing to keep it longer because they've, it's their decision, not yours. And you pushed them into it. hundred percent. hundred percent. I love it. I love it. Well, I think that concludes our 27th episode of talk. Yeah, I think so. I believe so. 27 and, um, you guys next Tuesday, same time. We'll be back next Tuesday. I think we're supposed to have um, Brian Tobias on. Yeah. And we're going to have a guest. We're back to uh, Back to having guests. We're we try to do guys about one guest every other episode. We try to have a guest every other episode. That's kind of what we're trying to do this year. So mm -hmm. stay tuned. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for watching. Um, we love you guys, Taco Nation. And Taco um, Nation. oh, also we want to do a meetup at some point. That's happening. So I'm putting yeah. that out there in the universe right mm -hmm. now. It's on record. Taco Tuesday meetup. Here's my thought. I've never said anything to Christian about, I mean, I've, I've like hinted at it, but here's my thought, you guys, I'm going to share this on the record. I'm going to talk this into existence right now. It's a, it's the opposite of a conference. This is a meetup. It's kind of like there's parties and there's kickbacks, right? <laughs> I'm talking kickbacks, you guys. That's, that's my, my venue here. So we pick a location. We fly in Monday morning, Margarita Monday, happens that night margarita monday mix it up mixers whatever you want to however you want to hashtag that so we're drinking monday night then we do a live i'm thinking like a live podcast style so we're literally recording just like we are right now but we're doing it live at an event and 
we do like a three hour episode. I think we have some guests that come up. I think we do like live audience Q and a, and then like afterwards, you know, we're, we're go to dinner or lunch or something. Obviously we're going to go get tacos. Obviously that, that has to happen, but that's it. You know, I don't think we need like a giant conference for this, but that would be my vision if we do a taco Tuesday meetup. So it's also, it's I know there, there was talk about flying in a little early for, for 8% nation. If that was to, if, if that was to happen. So there's always that on the table too. I don't know. We're famous enough now. We could probably just do it on our own, Chris. I don't know if we have to piggyback on another event. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Yeah. We have such a cult following. Yeah. We have such a cult following here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. And um, until next time, we'll be back next week.